Three years ago, Rach and I, uh, with a, a small group of people, started just over three years, a new church opened well, our third church, and we've been slowly seeing that grow since then, and uh, we've been doing lots of exciting things along the way. So today I'm going to talk from Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read not all of it, but I'm going to uh, read chunks of it, so I'll, I'll, as I'm reading I'll go down and explain what verse I'm reading. So Acts chapter 2, I'll begin... When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a mighty, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, sorry, this is verse 13, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to death by nailing him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Verse 32, but God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amen. So, uh, God is love. We know that, the Bible tells us. And not only is God love, but the Holy Spirit is also love. We often think, well, God is love and the Holy Spirit is power. But actually, Holy Spirit, who is fully God, is also love because he is God. And so when these uh, disciples went onto the street, they were drunk 
with the Holy Spirit, but they were also drunk on his love. The Holy Spirit is love, and when his fire burned through them, it was his blazing hot love blazing through them. It's God's reminder. His fire is his reminder that God cares about you. When his fire uh, flows into your life, it's his love blazing through you, getting rid of all the old and uh, causing you to be fresh and full of life. God uh, is love. And when those people went onto the streets, they were full of the intoxicating love of God. Um, Galatians 5 verse 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision have any value. The only thing that counts. Paul could have said a million things here. He could have said the only thing that counts is to support Man United. That's what I would have put. The only thing that counts is uh, roast lamb with mint sauce. The only thing that counts is whatever. But he chose to... uh, to bring down, to boil down uh, the whole thing of what it is to be a Christian to this simple sentence. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And, you know, for Rach and I, we've been on a journey to stop thinking mission and evangelism and to start thinking love, to recognize that evangelism can feel like a really hard word but we get to love people we get to love people and lead them to Jesus when we go out like the apostles did in Acts chapter 2 we want to create an environment of love when people come into an environment when we're on the street we want them first and foremost to feel and experience and to sense the love of God flowing through us. When we arrived in Liverpool six years ago, I remember standing on the street outside Primark and uh, giving people balloons and hugging people and smiling at people and saying, God loves you. Looking into people's eyes and saying, God loves you. And people were shocked. We had teenagers absolutely shocked. They thought God was angry at them because the guy outside Primark stands there every Saturday saying, God's angry at you. You're a sinner. And people had no idea that God loved them. And so we are people who get to reveal his love and to create an environment where people get to tangibly uh, know that he loves them. You know, whenever we go out, we often take stuff with us, balloons, cups of coffee or chocolate, because a gift makes room for you. And as we give stuff away, because love gives, uh, then we begin to see doors opened. Every year we aim to love people uh, through giving to people, whatever, donuts and cookies and all sorts of things. And as we do that, people begin to open up to Jesus. Uh, A little while ago, I was uh, on Bold Street and someone, we had some tables and we were giving out hot drinks and donuts and cookies. And a man walks up and I said, would you like a drink? And he said, well, who are you? I said, well, we're Christians and we're here to serve. And he said, okay, I'll have a coffee. And I said, well, how are you doing? And he said, well, uh, my wife died three months ago. 
and I said, I'm so sorry. And he began to talk about what had gone on. And uh, one of the most incredible things we get to do in giving to people is listen. Not listen to then get a point across, but listen to simply listen and to understand. And so I listened to him for five or ten minutes. And then I said a very simple thing. Could I pray for you? And he felt loved. He had a drink in his hand. He'd been listened to. And he said, yes, I would love you to do that. And I took his hand and I prayed for him. And he had tears in his eyes. And he said, when my wife died, I said, God, if you are real, then reveal yourself to me. And I said, maybe this is God answering your prayer. And as I held his hand, I said, have you ever asked Jesus into your life? He had no idea what I was saying. His, his face was blank. And I said, Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life. And right now he wants to come into your life. He wants to fill you with peace, with joy, with eternal life, with love. He wants to take away your shame and your loneliness. Will you put your trust in him? And he said, yeah, I want that. And, and right there, he said, Jesus, come into my life. Uh, I'm sorry for living life my own way. I put my trust in you. And he surrendered to Jesus. He turned from living life his own way. And he, uh, he began to know Jesus. And I said, look, Jesus will never leave you. You will have trouble. You may feel alone, but you need to know that he is with you and he will never let you go. We get to love people and as we love people, we get to see them open up to Jesus who is in us. When Zacchaeus uh, was the tax collector who was uh, looking out for Jesus, Jesus came and he said to Zacchaeus, uh, he didn't say, um, you are a sinner. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, uh, you need to sort your life out. He said, Zacchaeus, I want to come into your home. What he was doing is he was valuing Zacchaeus as a person. He was saying, I want to come into your world. I want to show you unconditional love. And Zacchaeus's response was to surrender to this Jesus who showed him incredible love and who valued him as a person. Jesus didn't die to reveal our shame. He died to reveal our worth. And we are privileged that we get to love and honor and value the people around us. Rach, my wife, uh, about 12 years ago, began an event called VIP where she would bring in, this was in our church in Manchester, she would uh, uh, have a room in the church building that she would make look incredible, like a wedding venue. And she would go onto the streets and just bring in the homeless and prostitutes and drug addicts into this incredible room with violins playing and incredible three-course meal and uh, where we would have hairdressers and people who uh, do clothes uh, and we would uh, contact uh, Shoe Zone and they give us free shoes and we just went all out because we were showing these people that thought of themselves as nothing, as rejects, as at the end of life. We were showing them that God doesn't just love them, but he values 
them. And on that first occasion, there was, I don't know, 30 or so of these people. And then um, eventually that grew. And before we moved to Liverpool, our last one there, there was about 180 of these people, many of them who were getting saved, baptized, added to the church as they knew and recognized that God really loves them. We still do that now. A few months ago, it was open well, we got to do that very same event here in Liverpool where a hundred of the craziest, most broken, lost people, we were able to bring them in off the street, some of them with sleeping bags, and to spend thousands of pounds showing them that God loves and values them as people. And so the first thing is that God is love. And when the Holy Spirit fills you, that means you're filled with his love. So in Acts 2, we see this presence on the streets. And, you know, it was tangible. People were attracted to these uh, incredible group that were falling on the floor, that were uh, kind of uh, looked drunk because the presence of God was so strong and so alive and so real with them. And something that we've recognized as we go out and live our lives and go on the street is the importance of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we planted our first church in Salford, one day we had some sweets and chocolates and we were just uh, meeting people's needs in the uh, uh, shopping center in the middle of Salford and we decided to take a guitar and have someone not just play but actually worship on the street and to create an atmosphere of worship the second this guy began to just lead worship, forget everyone else, uh, the atmosphere changed and we began to get uh, people manifesting, demons just coming out of people and uh, going crazy. All sorts of stuff would happen because we were hosting the presence of God on the streets, just like here in Acts chapter two. And since then, many, many, many times we've seen people cry uh, as they just come into this zone, this space where the presence of God is in operation, where people begin to have an experience with God himself as the Holy Spirit flows through us. You know, so often we think, well, church is where we encounter the Holy Spirit and then evangelism is what happens when we as individuals go out. But, you know, I really think there's value in the church on the street where we can worship and let God flow through us in a public place, just like here in Acts chapter 2. And we've seen incredible things happen as the Holy Spirit has flowed through us on the street. I um, remember uh, just recently talking to a guy in Williamson Square and we were worshipping, God's presence was there. And there was three guys sat and I went over and just said, hi, and I'm Judah, what are your names? And they began to talk and um, all of them said, oh, we're here from Spain, um, but sorry, we're not interested in religion. I said, that's okay. And they said, um, we are, one of them in particular, he said, I'm into spiritual stuff, uh, into Wicca and, and all this stuff. And I said, well, I'm open to spiritual stuff as well. And he said, what? I thought you were religious. I said, well, I have a spirit in me. It's the Holy Spirit. And I said, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And so I took his hand 
uh, and I asked if he would mind if I asked for him to encounter and experience the Holy Spirit. And so he said, that's okay. And so I prayed with him and he said, I could feel electricity uh, in my hands and through my body. And I said, that is God. That is his way of saying, I love you. I'm here. I'm real. And I asked him a simple question. Would you like to surrender your life to this God who's making himself real to you? And he said, yes. And he became a Christian, gave his life to Jesus, not because of clever words or strategies, but because he was able to encounter the Holy Spirit on the street. God's love, God's power flowing. And we are called to host the presence of God to be filled, as Ephesians 5 says, and for him to flow through us. Sometimes Rach and I have prayed for atheists, and we are really big on not getting into arguments. And we're not here to to sort of uh, bash people over the head and tell them how wrong they are. We're here to point people to Jesus. And so if someone says, I'm an atheist, we just say, great. Um, would we be able to pray for you? And Rach and I have been able to pray. Uh, one particular guy began to say, I feel this electricity all over my body. And we said, that is God. And within 30 seconds, he'd gone from an atheist to a believer, not because of clever words, but as Paul says in Corinthians, because of the power of God. And so in Acts 2, we see the presence of God on the street. And then if we go on, we see that Peter stood up and he did something. He stood up and he copied what Jesus did. In Luke chapter 4, he says, uh, Jesus uh, refers to Isaiah 61, and he says, I've been anointed. So he recognizes the need for the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says, I've been anointed too. And then he says what he's been anointed to do. Jesus could have said a million things. I've been anointed to whatever. And yet he chooses to say, I've been anointed to preach good news. I've been anointed to talk about the kingdom of God, to tell people about himself, Jesus. Peter stands up under the influence of the Holy Spirit and he preaches. He tells people about Jesus. So often when we particularly charismatic churches uh, where there's a focus on healing and the presence of God moving, uh, we forget that the reason why we're anointed is to tell people about Jesus, is to help people connect and encounter and put their trust in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he loves to move wherever Jesus is glorified. The Holy Spirit, his role is to help us and to teach us and to comfort us and to guide us and to help us become like Jesus. And so for us, wherever we're loving people, wherever the Holy Spirit is in action, it's all in order to help people connect with Jesus. And that is what Peter does in Acts chapter 2. He stands up and he says, all that you're seeing, all this commotion, it's because of Jesus. It's because Jesus loves you. He died for you because you can have a relationship with Jesus. And a while ago, Rach and I were in St. Helens and a guy came up to me and, and we gave him a cup of tea and began to talk to him. He was about 19 years old. And he said, what are you about? And I said, well, we're here just to love people. 
And I just said, God loves you. I looked into his eyes and I spoke and said, God loves you. I said, can I pray for you? And I was able to pray for him. And he felt the Holy Spirit. And I said, right now, Jesus wants to come into your life. He died on the cross. He rose again in order that he can come into your life and take away the shame, the sin, the uh, rejection, whatever is in your life that isn't of God, the darkness. He can take that away and fill you with light, with his love, with forgiveness. I said, would you like to put your trust in Jesus? And, you know, this young guy began to then talk about other stuff. He changed the subject. He talked about uh, stuff that was irrelevant. But it's really important that we point people back to Jesus, that we're bringing people back to Jesus, that when they see your life, it reminds them, it centers them, it helps them to think Jesus as they look at your life, as they hear your words. And so I said to him, Jesus is here. Will you let him into your life? Will you put your trust in him? And eventually he said, yes, that is what I want. And I was able to lead him to Jesus, like Paul led people to Jesus in Acts chapter 2, as I told him about Jesus, as I explained to him about Jesus. And I prayed with him, and the most exciting thing that can happen, that often happens, is I said, how do you feel right now? And, and he said, I feel like I've been washed. He said, I feel like I've had the, a bath on the inside. I feel all brand new. And that is the reality of what happens. Someone today talked about the power of God. And that is the Holy Spirit at work, the blood of Jesus washing people clean and helping people to know a new life in Jesus. And so it's important that wherever we go, we are talking and revealing Jesus. Um, another thing about Peter on the street is that he spoke with authority. He stood up and he represented King Jesus. He stood on behalf of his fellow leaders and he spoke with authority. And it's really important that we recognize that it takes authority to establish the kingdom of God. It takes authority to reveal Jesus and to lead people to Jesus. Matthew 10 verse 1 says, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Authority means that we've been given the keys to unlock every situation where people are trapped in fear, in darkness, in, uh, in, in sickness, in whatever, in sin. We have the keys to come along and to unlock the door, to be able to take out that rubbish and to be able to fill them with hope and peace as they trust in Jesus. The police have authority. Wherever a policeman is, even if the policeman is in a room where there's someone more powerful than that individual policeman, that policeman is secure because he has the backing of the law. And we have authority that when we go into a room where there's situations that are more powerful than us, it's okay because we have the authority of Jesus. We're able to uh, work and move with authority. And so often people think, well, authority, that's about church leadership. That's about building uh, the church and disconnect it from love. But actually, it takes authority to love 
people and lead them to Jesus. It takes authority to be able to look into someone's eyes and trust in what the Bible says and to be able to speak and say, God loves you. And as those words are echoed into someone's heart, their foundation, the fear and the lies that they've established their life on begins to crumble because you've spoken the word that is eternal into their heart, that God loves them, that they are chosen, that they are valued, that they are someone that God cares about. And that takes authority. So often I've spoken to someone and there's been demons there blocking the way and I've had to take authority. One guy on the street that we were ministering to, he said, could you go away please? I said, oh sorry. Uh, He said, you're a Christian aren't you? You're a Bible basher. He said, can you just walk away right now? And I said, okay, I'll walk away. I said, before I go, would it be okay if I just prayed a prayer for you? And he said, okay, because he thought that if I prayed quickly, then I'd go away. And so um, I just prayed a simple prayer right now. We take authority. We bind every work of the enemy. And I just release the peace of God here. And after that, he changed. His demeanor changed. And I uh, he began to talk to me and uh, we began to talk about the weather and football and whatever. And then after a little while, I said, you're lonely, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am. And I said, and I believe you're open to Jesus. And he said, yes, I am. And I led him to Jesus. He became a Christian. And then this lady walks up and I said, who's this? And he said, oh, it's my sister. And it turns out that his sister's a Christian who'd been praying for him for years. And I recognized in that moment that we're in a spiritual battle and it takes authority that we have to be able to see people encounter and connect with the love of God. So authority. Amen. So finally, um, we see in Acts chapter 2 that Peter led thousands of people to repent and trust in Jesus For H and I, over the last 10 to 15 years, we've learned step by step what it is to go from having the courage to speak to someone and say, God loves you, to having the courage to be able to say, Jesus died for you, to then having the courage to actually believe that I could lead someone to Jesus. That didn't happen overnight, but as we were faithful, as we took one step at a time, we began to grow in our expectation of how God could use us. Rachel and I have a saying which is, um, we never compare. We live in a world of comparison. Go compare. I won't sing, uh, but there's an advert about go compare, and we live in a world where we compare uh, stories, and, and we hear even a story like uh, the stuff I'm saying today, and we think, well, that's not me. I can't connect. I can't relate. Um, uh, and it's really important to recognize we're not here to compare with each other or to each other. We're here to say, what's my next step? And for you, your next step may be to simply smile at someone as they walk past. For you, your next step may be to lead 200 people to Jesus. We don't compare. We celebrate every step. We celebrate that you've had the confidence to say, it's not about me. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to take my next step. And as we celebrate each step, then we begin to see God 
helping us to run in the lane and the race God has for us. And so for me, I've made more mistakes than you could realize. Sometimes Rachel and I will go and speak somewhere and we'll tell people about the four people we saw saved radically in the last two weeks. And people are like, wow, that's awesome. And what they don't realize is the 28 people that weren't interested, where we were, bought a word of knowledge and got it wrong, where people walked past and we just bottled it and didn't have the courage to actually say what God had given us to say. You know, we make mistakes. We've made them all and we'll make many more, but that's okay. God's looking for faithful, consistent, step-by-step people who are saying, what is my next step? But get into a point where you trust and have an expectation that you can lead people to Jesus wherever you are. Rach was smiling at a guy and uh, where she lived in Stoke and she smiled at him every day, just smiled. And then uh, this guy, she stopped seeing and that's all she'd done, smile. A few months later, she saw him in Tenerife and he was sat uh, just sat on the floor and Rachel went over and she just began to talk to him and he was like oh you're that lady who smiled at me and right there sat in Tenerife on the floor this guy gave his life to Jesus because he trusted in because he felt this love from Rachel who'd simply smiled at him day after day and we get to ooze Jesus. We get to ooze his love and ooze his presence wherever we go. Amen. And so when we lead people to Jesus, like Peter did in Acts chapter 2, we are leading them to surrender their lives, to say, it's not about me anymore. And, you know, it's important to know If someone came up to you and said, I want to give my life to Jesus, it's important to know how to help that person. Although there isn't a sinner's prayer in the Bible, the Bible does help us and give us wording that uh, is useful as we help people to connect with Jesus. The Bible talks about repentance in Acts chapter 2. It also, in Romans 10 verse 9, says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're here to help people to repent, to turn away from their old life, to turn to Jesus, to recognize Jesus as God, to say, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that you're risen. And right in this moment, I turn my back on my old life. Jesus, I ask you into my life and I trust in you. I'm saying, Jesus, take control of my life. And however the prayer looks, to be honest, every prayer I pray with now many, many, many people, it's been different each time. Uh, It's important to recognize repentance, helping people to turn away and then to have faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross, in who he is now and saying, Jesus, come into my life. And we get to do that and you can do that. It's really important to remember that it's not about how loud or how quiet you are. It's trusting in the Holy Spirit working through you. Whether you're 12 or 72, each year at Jesus Loves, we see people who come and they're 15 or they're 50 and they'll say, I'm terrified, I've never been on the street before, I don't know what I'm doing. 
And I'll say, by the end of this week, I'd love to hear how God has used you. And many, many times people will say, this week I led someone to Jesus. This week I healed someone. God healed someone through me. And that's because they're learning to trust in the Holy Spirit at work in them. And just to finish, in Acts chapter 2, we see that this these converts became a community that they went from preaching to a healthy local church. And it's really important that when you go out, that you have an expectation that these people will become disciples and these people will begin to follow Jesus. And that's something we're growing in. We're beginning to see it, but we want to see it more. We want to see people come from the street to be connected into a healthy family where they can grow, just like in Acts chapter 2. Amen. Should we just fall, close our eyes maybe? And um, I'm just going to ask these guys to come up and lead us in a song. And I'm going to pray. And then after I've prayed, I'm going to uh, ask uh, Rach to join me and just invite anyone who wants to come forward for prayer. If you're saying, God, I want to receive a fresh momentum. I want to receive a fresh uh, desire, a fresh uh, boldness to be able to live a life where we ooze the love and life of Jesus, then we'd love to just pray with you. And uh, the Bible talks about the laying on of hands and that that does something. It sparks something in you. I believe God in his fullness is in you. And yet sometimes when someone lays their hands on you, it just stirs and it sparks the life of God that's already in you. And so that you can go from here with a fresh desire to see life's changed around you. So I'm just going to pray to begin with. God, right now, I just thank you that you are here. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your presence that is so incredible here in this uh, awesome Freedom Church. God, I just ask that for everyone that can hear my voice, that they would know that, God, you love us God, you love each person in this room. God, you are so proud of every one of us. And God, I just pray that we would receive your love again. And God, we would have a fresh desire to take your love to the world around us. Thank you, Jesus.